0: The best-selling children's books by the late great British novelist Roald Dahl are being rewritten by a concerned group of crap-faced cultural locusts with no sense of humor, so they will no longer be offensive to crap-faced cultural locusts with no sense of humor. The president of Puffin Publishers, Crappy McLocust, says beloved creative works like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach will be rewritten by people who have never created anything beloved by anyone in order to bring them in line with the standards of people who are uncreative and unlovable. For instance... An amusing passage from James and the Giant Peach that describes Aunt Sponge as fat and pulpy as a jellyfish with a white, flabby face that looked as if it had been boiled will have every trace of humor and originality edited out of it so it won't distract some fatso when he's busy stuffing his flabby face by giving him a sense of self-awareness and shame, or at least a quick laugh before he has a heart attack from stuffing his fat, flabby face. The words mothers and fathers are being edited out of the book, Matilda, and replaced with the word parents, lest children discover how babies are made, which would offend the president of Puffin Books by suggesting his mother was a liar when she told him about the stork. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, Clavin, you steaming hot hunk of hilarity. I have to protest that your depiction of Puffin Publishing as a squirming den of crap-faced cultural locusts without a sense of humor run by a humorless man named Crappy McLocust is simply too absurd to be believable, even though it does make me laugh hysterically while experiencing a deep sense of yearning for the masterful touch of your powerful yet gentle hands. And okay, the guy's name isn't really crappy McLocust, perhaps because he suffered a disfiguring naming accident at birth, but as for the rest, I'm not making any of this up. Even the edits, amazingly enough, are real. Puffin Publishers worked on the betrayal of their sacred trust to a dead author who has been listed among the greatest of British writers since 1945 in tandem with an organization called Inclusive Minds, which describes itself as, quote, and this is a real quote, A collaboration of consultants and campaigners with a passion for inclusion, diversity, equality, and accessibility in children's literature who have no talent or accomplishments of our own, and so destroy the work of people who do have talent and accomplishments so we won't feel so bad about being the pinched, empty, miserable, and small-minded no-talents that we are, unquote. Maybe the whole quote isn't real. (laughs) I'm not sure. Anyway, The director of Inclusive Minds, Mullah Omar, joined the organization after leaving his former job as leader of the Taliban in Afghanistan, where he oversaw the redesign of the Buddhas of Bamiyan. Omar had those 1,500-year-old monumental statues dynamited into rubble because they didn't meet his exacting cultural standards of inclusion and were insensitive to the feelings of black-hearted, fanatical destroyers of great works of art like himself and the other people at Inclusive Minds. While Omar said he didn't feel comfortable actually dynamiting Roald Dahl's books, he felt that editing them to bring them in line with contemporary sensibilities would help produce a future generation that would willingly dynamite them at a later date. Mr. Omar said he hoped to continue collaborating with Puffin and with their parent company, Penguin Books, who publish a vast line of immortal classics Mr. Omar says he can't wait to get his hands on. He hopes in the future that he can combine his organization with Penguin in a single company called Penguin Taliban, or Taliban Penguin, or eventually just Taliban, once he edits out all the offensive words from their classic collection, including the word penguin, which he finds offensive because it's not the word Taliban. In fact, Mr. Omar says as head of Inclusive Minds, he eventually hopes to redesign all of Western culture in the same way he redesigned the Buddhas of Bamiyan, so that no one will be offended anywhere in Western civilization, which will also be redesigned. To be fair, I should add that Puffin president Crappy Mclocust and Inclusive Mind director Mullah Omar could not have proceeded to desecrate Roald Dahl's work without permission from Roald Dahl's copyright holder Fatso Flabbyface. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, we are back laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. I have to tell you that minutes before I came on air, I saw online that Penguin, the uh, the parent company of Puffin, which publishes Roald Dahl's great classic works. He really was a wonderful writer. Uh, Penguin will, has been so shamed by what Puffin is doing that they will now publish classic edi- editions of the Roald Dahl books to go along with the desecrated edition. So you can choose uh, whether to buy the classic ones and burn the new ones or buy the classic ones and just ignore the new ones. That'll be up to you. Uh, but still, they should still be ashamed and they shouldn't, shouldn't publish the edited ones. So I went ahead and tore them to pieces as they so well deserve. Uh, today, I'm going to take a different look at the week's news t- by talking about one of the most difficult tasks, I think, that we're all facing in this information crisis, which is finding the truth. And find, we'll talk about that in the context of uh, Ukraine, and January 6th and transgenderism and lots of other stuff. Uh, this is the moment, the exact moment, when you should go and uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, the, my personal Andrew Claven YouTube channel where you will get exclusive comment content. Uh you simply, if you want a notification, uh you press that bell. Uh a butler will come to your door uh carrying a pizza and a briefcase, will knock on the door and will hand you exclusive content plus a pizza plus a briefcase. Uh and when he leaves, check your wallet, because he usually takes that with him. Uh also if you leave a comment. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. I've just got here, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you leave a comment, and the comment is uh, degrades, uh, you know, poor people, uh, or you know, some minority or something, we'll we'll read it on the air uh, because that's what we're here for. Uh, Michael Zwiderveen has a comment today. He says, "Oh, great, Clavin! I sent you a question for the mailbag. However, I sent it, <laughs> I sent it via hot air balloon. I'm afraid it never made it to you, but that's okay. I'll send another one to you via Ohio train. <laughs> I'll hold my breath and be waiting for that question." If the past couple of years has taught us anything, it's that in a crisis like, say, a global pandemic or a natural disaster, even the basics can be hard to come by. You need to be prepared for anything. My new partners at Jace Medical are here to help. Jace Medical's mission is to empower you to be better medically prepared, even in the worst case scenarios. A great way to start preparing is with... The Jace Case, a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a whole host of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. All you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. From there, you can ask your physician treatment-related questions on an on going basis. This is a big deal. You know, doctors can be really persnickety about giving you antibiotics even when you need them. I've had this happen to me. It's ridiculous. The Jace case will give you peace of mind and you'll know that your family will have what they need if the worst happens. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code claven at checkout for a discount on your order. That's jacemedical.com, promo code claven. I know what you're saying. This sounds great, but I don't know how to spell claven. It's K L A V A N. No E's in claven. I just make it look easy. All right, I want to start with a quote from one of my favorite philosophers, Arthur Schopenhauer. Um, You don't have to remember the quote. I just want you to remember what it means. Okay, the quote, uh, just to read it to you, is, No time can be more unfavorable to philosophy than that in which philosophy is shamefully misused as a political means on the one hand and a means of livelihood on the other. In other words, uh, if you're searching for truth— Uh, and truth has become a method of winning at politics or making a living, it's not going to get you to the truth. So remember that. If people are making a living or covering politics and they're trying to tell you about the truth, they may not be telling you the truth. Okay, so... How do we look at the truth in a world that's increasingly an empire of lies? This is where two things are happening at once. We're in this information crisis caused by the internet, which, as I've said before, uh, is like a combination of the printing press and the Industrial Revolution put together. That's the shattering effect it's had on our uh, society. Uh, And the death of an era, the death of a dynasty, the post-World War II order, the post-Cold War order are are dying out. Uh, This is very frequently when a dynasty or a an era ends is frequently marked by two things. One is that very old men are the leaders, uh, and a lot of women are in power. And I forgive me, ladies, there have been many, many great—not many, but there have been many great uh, female uh, leaders. But in fact, when you see, you know, a Cleopatra, when you see uh, Queen Elizabeth II of England, when you see a, uh, a female leader taking over a what has been a male empire, you're usually watching uh, the end of an era, uh, the end of the empire. Um, so we've got a set of elites who have run out of their run their course. They're, everything they do is wrong. They're idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They're desperate to protect their power, which is fading away. And there are new factions who want to gain power. And all the information in the world is right out there, indistingu- lies indistinguishable from truth. How? Do you tell what's the truth? Now, let me just give you an example of something that made a lot of news this week, which was, we'll call it the big steel narrative, that the last presidential election was stolen by Donald Trump. That's one version. Or that evil right-wingers are trying to overthrow democracy by staging insurrections. That's the other side of the story. Uh, a lot of news involving that this week. My favorite my favorite, was the news out of Georgia. They've got a special grand jury. Uh, it was convened uh, to decide if there was illegal interference in their election. You remember that Donald Trump uh, phoned Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger uh, and said this. This is what Trump said. This is cut one.
1: So, look,
2: all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780... Votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state.
0: So yeah, Donald Trump has a very careless way of talking. He always does. It makes it sound like he wanted just find the votes. I don't care how you do it, just find the votes. But in context, what he was saying was he felt a lot of the votes were fraudulent. Just find enough of those fraudulent votes to overturn the 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 election as it should be. Uh, but they had this grand jury investigating whether he broke the law on doing any of this now. Grand juries are supposed to be, this is my coming up, my favorite video of the week. Grand juries are supposed to be secret because you can't defend yourself. They're just a matter of collecting the evidence against you to see if you should be indicted. And remember, an indictment is just a charge. And as the lawyers will tell you, you can indict a ham sandwich. You can basically indict anybody if you put together enough information. So <laughs> this results are supposed to be secret. But the forewoman of the grand jury, after it was over, a 30-year-old named Emily Kors... Uh, went, did a media tour for some reason, hinting that dozens or over a dozen people were going to be indicted. Now, this is a woman who, according to one newspaper, swore in a witness at the grand jury while holding a Ninja Turtle popsicle in her hand that she got an ice cream party at the DA's office. And so here she is making her media tour. She's on MSNBC. Who's going to be indicted? Emily Kors. Cut to. Honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in Mm. and so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly
2: swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just... I kind
0: of you just thought that it. would be an awesome moment. It would be an awesome moment. It would be awesome. If you look at her Pinterest page, apparently it's all like Wicca and witchcraft and all this. No, justice, at your country is in the very best of hands. Uh, even, even the women on The View, which uh, The View does perform a public service by making American men think, wow, I'm glad, <laughs> glad I'm not married to those women. Uh, even the women on The View understood that this was a disaster. Here is the famous uh, and lovable uh, Joy Behar.
1: Shouldn't she be keeping her big bazoo shut, this girl? I mean, why is she going around talking? She wants attention. You know, everybody is a Kardashian now.
0: Now, that actually is a good point. Everyone is a Kardashian. Now there's a world where people are famous for being famous. So there's a premium on saying whatever makes you famous and not saying what will not make you not famous. Fame is valuable. Fame is money. Fame is ego gratification. Fame is a kind of power. Those are the things that people want and want to protect if they have them. They don't want to lose them, and they do want to get them, which brings me to another side of the story, which is a little bit more uncomfortable for us conservatives over at Fox News. uh, There's another legal case going on, the Dominion voting system. Remember, all of Trump's minions were saying that, you know, Dominion could be rejiggered and all the votes could be turned around and all this stuff. Dominion is suing Fox News and Fox Corp. For what it alleges were defamatory defamatory on-air comments about its products. Now, I don't think they have a case here, to be honest with you, because basically they were just letting people come on and say these things. But they're angry that Fox had people on uh, like like Sidney Powell, uh, Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, who was on with Hannity. Here's a clip of that, cut four.
2: Nobody liked Dominion voting systems. Nobody. The professor, the three Democrats, the state of Texas, they had problems in Georgia, the New York Times, the AP. Why we would use a system that everybody agreed sucked or had problems is beyond me. And I asked you today, you said to me that there were people watching an internet connection in real time, but they can't speak publicly and haven't signed affidavits to that. Why?
1: Well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, Some uh, are within the government and some are possibly in different roles that require confidentiality. And they're not in a position where they can come forward without certain protections in place.
0: So she's saying that there's sinister knowledge out there, but nobody can come forward. So in the course of this case, there was discovery and indiscovery. All of this information came out that was embarrassing to these Fox hosts, because while they were having people like Sidney Powell on, they were discussing among themselves the fact that they thought this was completely absurd. Uh, Hannity, in a deposition in the case, said that whole narrative that Sidney was pushing, uh, I did not believe it for one second. Sidney Powell is lying, by the way. I caught her. It's insane, said Tucker Carlson to Laura Ingram uh, in an email. Sidney is a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy Giuliani. Said Ingram. Uh, it's unbelievably offensive to me. Our viewers are good people, but they believe this, uh, said Carlson. Uh, and a day later, uh, Rupert Murdoch himself sent a message uh, with the subject line, Watching Giuliani, and wrote, This is really crazy stuff and damaging. Um, the filings show that Fox and its top personalities were, uh, let's say, concerned. Uh, they were, it really sounded close to panic to me. Uh, their audience went nuts when they called the election for Biden early on. They thought that was terrible. OAN and Newsmax uh, were uh, all in that this was a big steal and that Fox was losing money and losing audience and their stock was dropping. But at the same time, they knew that Trump was not telling the truth and was making wild claims. On January 5th, uh, Rupert Murdoch sent a message to CEO Suzanne Scott It's been suggested that our primetime three, Tucker and Sean and Laura, should independently or together say something like the election is over and Joe Biden won. That would go a long way to stop the Trump myth that the election was stolen. Uh, and Meade Cooper, the uh, executive vice president of primetime programming, said, I told Rupert that privately they are all there. They all agree with that. Uh, but we need to be careful about using the shows and pissing off the viewers, but they know how to navigate. So so look, they were afraid. that Trump had a lot of power. All these people loved him. All these people believed what he was saying. Their audience, this is their audience, and as Tucker said, they're good people, but they were being led along by Donald Trump, and Donald Trump was telling them that the election was stolen uh, and all these crazy things about the machines, uh, and they didn't want to lose this audience to OAN and Newsmax, which were basically going along with it whole hog, uh, who were also, I think, being sued by Dominion. Uh, Rupert Murdoch wrote to CEO Suzanne Scott an email uh, on November 16th, saying saying about Newsmax, these people should be watched. if, If skeptically, Trump will concede eventually, and we should concentrate on Georgia helping any way we can. Now, If you think we didn't, they were afraid, you know, they didn't want to lose what they had. They built this place. They built this amazing place, Fox News. It is an amazing uh, uh, work that they made. Uh, Nobody thought it could be done. Nobody saw it coming. It took over everything. It is still one of the most popular stations around. Uh, They built this thing, and they were afraid of losing it if they didn't say what the audience wanted them to say. They were afraid of their audience. Now, if you think we didn't have a lot of the same worries and concerns here at The Daily Wire, you would be insane, right? We also have worked hard to build this place. And we know that a lot of you uh, believe, the number said something like 70%, believed that uh, all of these stories were true. And we didn't know what to do. There was only one person who did, <laughs> totally ignored that fact, which was that nice Andrew Clayton fellow <laughs> who came on. Now, I have to say I had a little advantage over the other guys that I was in a contract. I was in contract talks with The Daily Wire, so I was off the air for a couple of weeks during uh, the January sick stuff. So I had a moment to think about it, what I wanted to do. And then I came on and I told you, I remember I'm saying this from memory, but I'm pretty sure what I said to you is there are a lot of people you can pay to lie to you. I'm not one of them. I'm going to tell you the truth. Trump has screwed the pooch. And what I told you was that January 6th was disgraceful, that he behaved disgracefully. It didn't matter whether the FBI was involved in instigating it. Uh, That shouldn't have happened in the first place, and he should have gotten on it faster when it did happen. And I told you that I was not convinced at all that the election was stolen, and that it didn't matter if it was stolen, if he couldn't prove it in court, because the important thing was was that if he kept on doing what he was doing, we were going to lose Georgia. This is when Trump was still saying I'm going to be reinstated. I told you he was going to lose Georgia and hand our country over to the left. And that is exactly uh, what happened. And people abandoned this show in droves. I lost a lot of audience. I knew I was going to. I walked into. I was like walking into a buzzsaw. I hated doing it, but I knew I had to do it. And I've been, I still get letters yelling at me about it. Oh, it's Trump derangement syndrome. After all that time I spent uh, propping him up and supporting him before anybody else here did. Uh, but suddenly I was the bad guy. All right. So what I want to point out to you is that if if those of you who are angry at me are now angry at the Fox hosts for lying to you, if you're angry at me for telling you the truth, but you're angry at at them for lying to you, not telling them what they really believed, you're asking, you're begging to be lied to. And that is the first You have to learn in looking for the truth is that the greatest obstacle to finding the truth is you. And when I say you, I don't mean you, I mean me. I mean the human heart is bent, the timber of the human heart is crooked. We all want to hear what we want to hear and do not want to hear the truth, which is. Oftentimes harder than what we, not what we want to know. The New York Times lies to its readers about Brett Kavanaugh, and about Russian collusion, about January six, because its readers demand to be lied to. When they're told the truth, the New York Times hears about it and they get scared and they go back to the lies. If Fox News played along with you, uh, for uh, those of you who believe this, it's for the same reason. They they didn't want they didn't want to lose your love. They didn't want to lose their fame. They didn't want to lose their jobs when truth and politics and money mix, truth is gonna be the first person to go. Why did I tell you the truth when I knew it was gonna cost me? Uh, It's because there's something else that I want, which is that I (laughs) want to be a free man in a free country, and that means I don't want you to be pieces on the game board, I want you to be the players. The pieces, Donald Trump is a piece on the game board. DeSantis, a piece on the game board. Joe Biden is a piece on the the game board. You are supposed to be the ones who move them around to get what you want. You don't want them moving you around to get what they want. And that is what they are doing. And if you don't seek the truth and if you don't override your own desire not to hear the truth, you're not going to be able to remain free. And that is what this show is about and what I'm about and why I'm going to tell you the truth no matter what. According to a recent study, 100% of people will die. Who knew? According to another recent poll, 62% of Americans who think about their own death a lot of the time still don't have a will. That's kind of like being afraid of drowning, but refusing to wear a life jacket, creating a will. Is one of the most important things you can do to ensure your belongings and your loved ones are taken care of after you pass away. My partners at Epic Will can help you get set up with a will today for just $119, and in as little as five minutes, Epic Will can help you create your last will and testament, your living will, and even healthcare power of attorney. Go to epicwill.com/slash/clavin to get my discount code and save an extra 10% on your complete will package. With Epic Will's easy-to-use template, all you have to do is fill in the blanks. Go to EpicWill.com and use promo code Claven to save ten percent on Epic Will's complete will package. That's EpicWill.com promo code Claven. And I know you're saying, "Well, I, how do you spell will?" No, you're not. You're saying, "How do you spell Claven?" It's K-L-A-V-A-N. All right, returning to Schopenhauer, because none of us wants to hear the truth when it contradicts our beliefs. None of us do, not any of us, nobody wants to. And because all of us wanna be lied to at some level, and because politics is the art of winning your vote, right? Politics is a machine for telling you what you want to hear, for manipulating you and lying to you. That's what politics is. That's why getting angry at politicians for telling lies is ridiculous. They're telling them because they want to win you over. And that's why I always say politics makes you stupid. If people were angels, politicians would come out and say, look, folks— you know we've got to we've got to reform Medicare and Social Security. I know you want it. I know we told you it was in a lockbox. We lied to you. Uh, that's not in a lockbox. We're running out of money. It's destroying the country. We've got to reform it now. The Democrats and the Republicans will discuss different ways in which what has to be done will be done. Instead, they take they put out a video of Paul Ryan uh, pushing an old woman in a wheelchair off a, a cliff, and everybody goes, "Oh, we don't want that. We don't want old women because they think you can be manipulated, and you can if you only want to hear." what you want to hear. So I'm going to just tell a little story that happened this week, and pay attention, and I'll get to the point of it at the end of the story and how it fits in with things you have to know if you want to find the truth, all right? Things you have to know when you want to find the truth. President's Day. President Biden went to Ukraine, a surprise visit into a war zone. Uh, He walked around with Zelensky, uh, pledged to continue support Even though you don't want to say it because I don't like Joe Biden very much. I think he's one of the worst presidents ever. Very impressive. If it had been Trump, you all would say same thing. Very impressive. He's in a war zone. Uh, It's it's dangerous. He was showing support. Uh, Then he went to Poland and made a powerful speech. This cut seven. When President Zelensky said he came to the United States in December, quote, he said, this struggle will define the world and what our children and grandchildren, how they live and then their children and grandchildren. He wasn't only speaking about the children and grandchildren of Ukraine. He was speaking about all of our children and grandchildren, yours and
1: mine. We're seeing again today what the people of Poland and the people across Europe saw for decades. Appetites of the autocrat
0: cannot be appeased. Okay, now pay attention because I'm going to tell the story of this This week in the news, and then I'm going to ask you a question, all right? There's a question, you've got to pay attention, there'll be a quiz at the end. Now, after uh, Biden did this, uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, this is incredibly insulting. Today on our President's Day, Joe Biden, the President of the United States, chose Ukraine over America while forcing the American people to pay for Ukraine's government and war. I cannot express how much Americans hate Joe Biden. A lot of people pointed out that Biden has not gone to East uh, Palestine, Ohio, where people are being (laughs) gassed to death and poisoned by this stupid uh, train that went off the rails. Uh, No top official went to East Palestine until our old friend Donald Trump went and made a show of handing out waters, cut eight. eight.
1: The Biden administration should ensure that every family has the option of moving and homes and everything else until this thing is straightened out. Uh, I do want to uh, especially thank some of the incredible people that uh, helped us because we're bringing thousands of bottle of water, Trump water, actually, most of it. Uh, some of it, we had to go to a much lesser quality water. <laughs> you want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. But we're bringing a lot of water, thousands of bottles, and we have it in trucks, and we brought some on my plane today. But to that end, I'm pleased to announce that we've helped coordinate the delivery of the water and bottled water as uh, well as the tractor trailers is full of it. We have big tractor trailers full of water. I think you're going to have plenty of water for a long time, maybe.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's great. I mean, in the same way, I gave Biden his due. You know that he he did the uh, he put on a nice show in Ukraine. Trump, excellent, excellent politics, uh, really well done. Pete Buttigieg, uh, homosexual secretary of transportation, we didn't just call him that because that's why he was hired, homosexual tra- secretary of transportation, maybe secretary of homosexual transportation, uh, he's forced into going. He doesn't want to go. He does not want to go. You know, he, I'm not going to go a photo op. I'm not. I'm too big deal. i I've got, a, I've got a, a hair appointment, you know, whatever he's saying. Here's cut 11 because finally, at the end, after Trump went, he's forced into going. And here he is uh, putting in his performance. And there's no question that there have been enormous amounts of both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation.
2: Did Norfolk, sir-
0: so I think, so I lost my train of thought. Um, well, that's what I had to say about that. He lost his train Maybe his train of thought was derailed. Maybe they should set the contents of his thought on fire, except the toxic waste uh, would <laughs> Wipe out the rest of Ohio. Guy, he is, I'm not saying this as as a human being. I don't know Pete Buttigieg as a human being. But as what he does, he is trash. He is just one of the worst public officials. And a certain breed of suburban white women just love him. I shouldn't say suburban white women, suburban wealthy women. Just like, oh, he's so intelligent. He's so, you know, he's just bad at what he does. All right. Oh, and on top of which, most insultingly, he blames the train derailment on some safety rules that were rescinded during the Trump administration, Obama rules that were designed to hurt the fossil fuel industry to make it harder to transport uh, oil. Uh, by train after making it harder to transport oil by pipeline, uh, harder to build a pipeline. So Obama put this thing in place and the court said, this is ridiculous. We're not getting the right information. Once they got the right information, these rules were rescinded, had nothing to do so far with preliminary investigation, seems to have had nothing to do with why the strain was derailed. Just a complete dishonest work of dishonesty. However, so he looks bad. Uh, Trump looked great. I thought Biden looked good uh, overseas. Okay. Okay. So here's the quiz. Now, you know those math questions where they, they fool you, they, they distract you from what they're doing. Uh, so they'll say, you know, a train travels at 80 miles an hour, then backs up 20 miles and reaches Philadelphia at 8 p.m. How many people were on the train? <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this is like. This is the same problem. Biden goes to Ukraine, but not to Ohio. Pete Buttigieg is a squad. Trump goes to Ohio and looks great. Should we be in the Ukraine war? That's the question. And the right answer, there is a right answer. The right answer is you don't know. The reason you don't know, it's, it, its looking for the truth, the hardest answer to come up with is I don't know. But the reason you don't know is because the answer depends on the outcome. The answer depends on the future. May have been a good decision to go in, may have been a bad decision to go in. We don't know because we don't know how it's going to play, play out. We are entitled to our guesses and our predictions. We're entitled to our opinions. And that's why people who, you know, you get 10 opinions wrong, you get one prediction right, and everybody goes around saying you're a a seer because all uh, opinions about the future, most opinions about the future are wrong. And when you get one right, everybody thinks you're great and they hire you as a consultant, give you millions of dollars and lose an election. But my own guess is this. Uh, You know, we shouldn't let our, first of all, my point is only that we shouldn't let our opinions be manipulated by politics. This is all politics. Good politics Bad politics, you know, good politics in the case of uh, Trump going to Ohio, really well done. Bad politics in the case of Buttigieg, who's just a supercilious, uh, I w- won't even say a supercilious what, a supercilious jerk, I guess is a good one. Uh, but but doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is, you know, the, the facts on the ground. Uh, the same, you know, the, the one thing I reject is this fortress America stuff. We should only fight when we're invaded. You know, we should only fight if it's immediate of our immediate interest. Because those same guys are the guys who who are the first to complain when they wake up one morning and the Taliban is in Mexico crossing our border, right? Because of, why didn't we stop them in Afghanistan? You know, the same it's the same guys. If if it's hard to tell where your interests lie with a war. If you go into a war too early, everyone says, "Why are you starting a war?" What, you know, everybody says, "You know, we should have attacked Japan before Pearl Harbor." What do you think would have happened if we'd attacked Japan before Pearl Harbor? I mean, it would have been, people would have gone insane. We would have been the aggressor. Afterwards, everybody says, "Oh, you were too. How come you waited and let them bomb Pearl Harbor?" You just can't know when the right time to go in in is. You just don't know uh, how bad this is going to get. So the situation is, I see it as this. It was incredibly stupid to taunt Russia by pretending to let Ukraine join NATO. Ukraine is, is a neighbor, close neighbor of Russia. Telling them that they might become uh, a member of NATO was essentially saying our empire is going to wash up on the shores of Russia. Uh, it was a bad, I think it was a just bad strategy. It was disgusting to abandon Afghanistan uh, in incompetent disarray. That was one of the uh, most shameful things I've ever seen. The fact that Joe Biden wasn't ripped from pillar to post and still isn't being ripped from pillar to post for doing that so badly. I don't even think we should have been in Afghanistan, as I said many, many times while we were there, but still, still pulling out like that was bad. So It it was like throwing meat at at Putin and Xi Jinping in China. It was like saying, we're weak, we don't care, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, We may start a war, but we're not going to finish it. So we're stupid, we're weak, Uh, we enticed our enemies into making a move. Now what? Russia remember, is not Russia. Russia is China. China is not just China. China is Russia and Iran. That's uh, the axis of evil. Uh Taiwan is obviously what China's got their uh, eye on. They want to go forward. China is ha- now having uh, a summit with Russia. We don't know what they'll do. People h- hope they'll uh, sue for peace. They put forward a sort of plan for peace, which sounds a little bit suspicious, but not bad, but it just sounds, I'm just suspicious of anything that comes out of China. Um But really, uh, they're also it's quite likely they might start to offer weapons uh, to Russia. And then what what will we do? Because we're already broke. We have no money to send the hundreds of of billions of dollars worth of stuff we're sending over there now. But you can't pull out. We're stuck. If you pull out, if you pull out, Russia will not stop. China will be in in Taiwan by noon uh, of the day we pull out. Uh, So the way it looks to me, is we got there through a lot of blunders. We blundered our way in. Now we should end it as quickly as possible. Biden should stop this thing where he keeps saying, no, I'm not going to send any tanks. Oh, here are some tanks. I'm not going to send any missiles. Here are some missiles. Send them what they need. Send them what they need to put an end to it or at least hobble Russia as far as you can. Could this end in World War III? You bet. It's war. War is really dangerous, really bad. I'm sorry we're there. There are some good things that have come out of it. Uh, the Europeans have been brought online they've been reminded that the the world is a dangerous place and you can't just go and buy oil from Russia without paying the penalty it's exposed the idiocy of the green agenda it's made us the leader of nato again you know we were kind of fading away in our le- leadership of nato it's given us some very good things but we don't know we don't know whether this is a good thing to do all i will say is what i know is a bad thing to do is to be there half-heartedly uh, not give them the stuff they need we should bring it to a close uh, you know, another enemy of truth is the tragic dilemma. This is a tragic dilemma because no no answer is good and everybody thinks the answer that they have is the is the best one. I, I just think we have to see it through. I really think we have to see it through. But my main point is, my main point is politics should not distract you from looking at the facts on the ground and making your decisions about those facts, not about who's saying what and who's putting on what performance. One more, one more instance about transgenderism coming up. We're getting terrific feedback about Skin skincare. Jessica from Huntsville, Alabama says, My skin looks so soft and clear. I have seen a reduced number of fine lines and dark spots. I have found a new lifetime product. I absolutely love it. Genucel was born from its founder in a small New Jersey town as a favor to one of his pharmacy customers using rare botanical extracts and scientifically researched ingredients. Genucel is uniquely formulated to target all visible signs of aging, fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, a sagging jawline, and even those puffy under eye bags. The Genucel product you use today uses the same one of a kind proprietary flower base developed by its founder all those years ago. All Genucel products work for both men and women, plus they're safe. For all skin types, you're guaranteed to see immediate results in 12 hours or your money back. Now, I haven't used it because, I mean, look, I look perfect, right? But my talent manager, Tessa, uses Genucel under-eye treatment to help get rid of the bags under her eyes. And Tessa is absolutely gorgeous. No kidding. Try Genucel's most popular package for 70% off at genuselcom Claven Join millions of happy customers who have already fallen in love with the results. Plus... For a limited time, get GenuCell's Probiotic Extract Infused Moisturizer free with every most popular package. Subscribe and get a complimentary bonus box. Go to GenuCell.com slash Clavin. GenuCell.com slash Clavin. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I want to look like Tessa. How do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. One last trick about finding the truth. Finding the truth is sometimes exceedingly difficult when the lie is so obvious you don't even know how to argue with it. And The left uses this a lot. They say something so outrageous that we on the right just kind of blither before we can pull ourselves together and start to point out where the lie is. Uh, this is the truth with this uh, butchering children stuff. Uh, Matt Walsh, I'll tell you in a minute, has scored, uh, has helped score a tremendous victory here in Tennessee. Uh, but let's start. Let's start with their, the left's point of view. Here's a trans activist. I don't know what meeting this is at. This was put out by YAF. Uh, but here's a trans activist screaming at a meeting. <laughs> I love this cut.
2: Oh,
1: where I would be if it wasn't for this part of the community. I feel liberated when I perform. Gender,
2: when I celebrate gender, let
0: young queer kids celebrate gender. My favorite part of it is the applause. Yeah, you're making no sense. I don't know what you're talking like a crazy person, but gender the thing is, you know, gender is is, is legitimately complicated. If for a minute we're going to accept the idea that gender is a word describing your feelings in relationship to your sex. All right, that's that's kind of the idea from the left, and I think that uh, you know, I, I think that we all know that people feel out of. Out of touch sometimes with the archetype of their gender. If you're a man who's supposed to be a big bruiser, a big fighting guy, but you're an intellectual guy, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I'm not the, I'm not a real man. You know, you have to take different passages and all this. We all, we all know about this kind of discomfort because all of us have it because nobody is the actual archetype. Uh, even, even believe me, the the Navy SEAL has his moments of thinking like, I don't know, maybe I'm not as cool as I think I am. Uh, In any sane society, in any sane society, being a man and being a woman come along with responsibilities, things that you owe to the society. If a substantial number of people don't fulfill those responsibilities, the society falls apart or declines. If women don't bear and nurture children, if men don't protect and support the women who bear and nurture children this will be bad for society. Now, these basic facts, these basic truths, I mean, think about that as a tribe, a tribe where women don't bear children or or where the men don't protect the women. You know, then it becomes clear... But these basic facts are obscured by our wealth and power because we're so wealthy and we're so powerful, we don't suffer the consequences immediately. If a few people, if a few people go over the the fence, you know, a few people don't fulfill their responsibilities, we're fine. If everybody doesn't fulfill their responsibilities, even a country as uh, powerful and safe and successful as ours will eventually collapse. Now, (laughs) you know, there's a reason— this is why society, society uplifts normal archetypical typical gender roles for its own good, for the society's good. Because man is a social animal and because gender comes along with inbuilt responsibilities, you know, we are not fulfilling our responsibilities to our society if we don't in some way fulfill those roles, right? I, I feel bad that I was never in the military. It was the 60s and 70s. Uh, we were in Vietnam. I kind of grew up in a liberal family and a liberal enclave. It didn't occur to me. To go into them, it didn't occur to me that I would feel responsible, you know, responsible to do that later on. But I'm sorry I didn't do it. But there it is. I, you know, I have to live with that. Uh, women who can't have babies uh, or who don't uh, find a husband and uh, have a baby, they feel bad. A lot of times, they feel bad. Women feel bad uh, at not being attractive. It's very hard to be a plain woman, and nobody's allowed to say that. But it's just true. It's very, it's different than being a plain plain man because if you're a plain man with a lot of money, you suddenly become very attractive. None of these facts go away because they're unfair and none of them go away because we don't like them. Now, that mean, but it means that some of gender is in fact a performance. What that crazy person was saying has has a certain truth to it. Some of it is a performance that you do, you fulfill your responsibilities as a man or as a woman, even though you don't feel that's who you actually are inside. You charge over the top of the trench even though you're scared to death, right? You do the thing that a man or a woman has to do, even though you don't feel like it, it's a bit of a performance. But you're not performing, just anything, you are performing something that's true. It's like if you're an actor and you're playing Hamlet, you're playing something that's true. If you're playing Ant-Man, you're playing something that's made up. It's just silly, right? But if you're playing Hamlet, you're playing something that's deep and true. And so this activist is playing something that's false, and that's what makes him look so ridiculous in his girly outfit. That's what makes uh, Rachel Levine look so absurd, uh, pretending to be a woman, because they're playing something that is false, right? Now, this has become this lie. And when when you deal with a lie like this, you're dealing with danger and evil. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about in the culture section is why certain uh, lies and certain premises lead to evil. Uh, And that's the most important thing about finding the truth is that the truth will set you free and the truth will help you uh, not to become evil. But one of the things is this has led to atrocities. What are happening, the things that are happening in this country to y- young people are atrocities. I've said this before, I will say it again. If the evil Nazi doctor, Joseph Mengele, look him up, one of the most evil men in all of history, if he had come to Adolf Hitler, another of one of the most evil men in all of history, if Mengele had come to Hitler and said, I want to describe to you my new idea called gender affirming care, Hitler would have said, You got to be Who do you think I am? Hitler? You know, I mean, it, this, this is an atrocity to chemically castrate children, uh, to cut off the healthy body parts of children. You know, the other day, uh, Matt Walsh, who is a guy who's been on this, you know, on really on target about this, he was attacked for being cruel to Dil- Dylan Mulvaney. He made a video where he really laced into Mulvaney. I've made fun of Mulvaney in videos, but this, he was really lacing into him, and he was being attacked for being cruel. And I was sitting there thinking, well, yeah, you know, Matt was a little hard on him. It's not what I would have said. It's not, well, I'll be honest with you. It's not what I would have said. But who cares? They're castrating children for no reason, for no scientific reason. Uh, But Walsh is, is, as I've said a million times, is doing God's work. And uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, he was... um, A a bill that he has supported uh, called the Protecting Children from Gender Mutilation Act uh, has been passed in the Tennessee uh, legislature. It hasn't been signed yet. Uh, It'll ban transgendered puberty blockers, uh, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries for minors under 18 across the state. Uh, You may recall that Matt testified in the committee, the health committee on this, uh, and he was questioned by one of the, uh, guy named Brian Terry, one of the, the chairman of the committee, and you can see where the lie is. I, you don't have, need me to tell you uh, where the lie is in the question, and Walsh handles it wonderfully.
2: Can you give us a summary of your educational background or your healthcare education experience? Mr. Walsh, you're recognized. My experience in healthcare? Your educational background. I'm just curious, you, 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 you've yeah. testified as to a lot of your own research. So I'm curious for what purpose you do that and what background you have to qualify you to speak
0: to that. Well, my Which background awesome. that qualifies me to speak to this is that I'm a human being with a brain and common sense and I have a soul. And so therefore, I think it's a really bad idea to chemically castrate children. That is my experience. <laughs> I made a mistake. That was not the chairman of the committee. Um, that was uh, John Ray Clemens who was on the committee. And of course, you understand that that's what's called an ad hominem attack. Uh, It doesn't really matter. Who Walsh is. It doesn't matter if Walsh is a bad guy. It doesn't matter if he wandered in off the street. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. And that is something that the only, the full human being—not reason, uh, not just the human heart, not just your feelings—but only the full human being can discern uh, with careful thought. But you have to begin with the truth. You have to begin with the facts, and that's the thing that has made this transgender issue so important uh, in in this battle for the culture we are uh, fighting is that it's so obviously a lie. Uh, Remember that, you know, the truth is hard to find. The human heart does not want to hear it. Yours, mine, all of us, all of us do not want to hear it. Uh, We don't want to hear truths that conflict with our passions, with what we want to be true. That is true of all of us. Politicians do not want us to have the truth. They want to manipulate us to do what they think is best for us to do. Some of them are corrupt. Some of them are just, just think that they have the right idea. What we want is we want to know the truth so we can force politicians to do what we think should be done because this is our country, not theirs. They are our our hirelings. They are our servants. They are not our masters. And that is the, The problem we're having right now. And if we don't take charge of the truth, and if we don't fight down our brokenness and and search for the truth, we don't know how to run the country. We will not know how to run the country, especially in an information crisis like this. And in a minute, in the cultural section, I will show you why this is worth fighting at the highest level, because the evil that we see around us, and I think all of us have seen an upsurge uh, in evil, has its basis in a faulty search for truth, Uh, not necessarily in a grift or a con uh, or open uh, intentional evil, but in a faulty search for truth and finding the premises that lead us to the truth is the most important thing that we can do. All right. This is the cultural section where we will talk about the big truth, the great truth, the underlying truth of all truths. Uh, You know, I told you, you know, you get this show is amazing. You get tomorrow's news today. I've been saying since this show started, since the earliest episodes, I have been saying that there is a religious revival coming uh, to America and that it will come from the universities. It will come from the colleges. Uh, And and to be fair, when I said that, what I meant, it would come from the intellectual classes and trickle down as opposed to the street revivals, which, uh, you know, the kind of Great Awakening type revivals, which would come up uh, from the bottom. But actually, that is what laid the seed work for what's happening now. Guys like Carl Truman, uh, a genuine intellectual, is is writing uh, about where we went wrong in our philosophy. Stephen Meyer, uh, who has gathered at the Discovery Center, all these scientists who are saying, wait, there's some Problems with the kind of materialist uh, idea that scientists have been selling us for a long time. Uh, that lovely uh, Spencer Clavin, no relation, uh, is uh, you know really a, a superb intellectual, um, and he is a, a true believer as well. Uh, these are guys who are recovering the faith uh, that formed us for a new age from a long, long narrative of materialism that has been growing really uh, since even before Isaac Newton, since really the beginning of science, when it kind of made sense. When it kind of made sense when they thought, oh, you know, it's not like little, you know, pagan gods were making things happen. There's actually a me- mechanism to the universe. There's a clockwork to so the universe. It made some sense to extrapolate from that, to generalize from that, and say, oh, um, you know... Maybe everything is a clockwork. Maybe there's nothing but material. Especially after uh, the evo- you know the theory of evolution came out, people thought, oh, there, even creation uh, is a clockwork, and maybe there is no God. And this is one of the things that happened. Well, now uh, there is a revival taking place in uh, Kentucky in uh, Asbury University. It is spreading to other universities. Uh, thousands of people, up to fifty thousand people, uh, have been driving from all over the country to be to come and sing and be at these things. So, uh, it, it moves me just watching it. It's beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, catching the Holy Spirit. They just want to be with God. A lot of them are communicating by TikTok, uh, by Instagram, and uh, even by word of word of mouth. Uh, these are young, young people coming together. Uh, and I do not think this is the end of something. I think it's the beginning of something. The university is thinking of shutting, quietly uh, closing this now. I think they should just shut down the university and let this point go because this is the most important thing that's happening right now. Uh, So I want to return to something I said last week that upset a lot of people who want to hear their ideas confirmed. That's why they listen to right-wing radio, they want to hear right-wing stuff, and I am a right-winger, I am a deep conservative, Uh, but I said last week that the people who follow Ayn Rand and the people who follow Karl Marx are the same people, and you bet. People got very, very angry at me and they said, you're an idiot because Marx was a socialist and Rand was a capitalist and Marx believed in the the collective and Rand believed in the individual and I was like, oh, duh. You know, like I didn't... You think I didn't know that. Well, maybe I was saying something different from that. My point was that their underlying premises were the same: that there is no God, capitalism is a better economic system than socialism, uh, but it's just an economic system. That's all it is. One of the stupidest things the left said uh, when this Roll Doll atrocity happened, when they started editing Roll Doll, the left said, "Well, the Roll Doll books weren't selling, so this is just capitalism. Capitalism doesn't tell you whether things are right or wrong; they tell you whether things are profitable or not profitable." If, even if it's profitable uh, to butcher uh, these classic children's works, it would be wrong. And it's just like it's wrong to sell fentanyl even if you make money or to sell your body even if you make money. It is wrong. The premise under which Rand and Marx are operating is the same. And this is another aspect of truth. It's maybe the most important one, is the truth makes sense. And if it doesn't, uh, if your logic, if your theory doesn't get you where you're supposed to be, Uh, Experientially, then you have to look back and see if maybe you got your premise wrong. If I say if my premise is north is that way, and I walk that way and I get to Mexico, I can't just say oh Mexico must be north. I have to say wait maybe my premise is wrong because I know Mexico is south. I know it's to the south, and therefore if if my premise leads to a theory that I at least and that leads to a result that I know is wrong, I have to change my premise. You know, this is why in quantum mechanics, you know, you've maybe you've heard of Schrodinger's uh, cat. Uh, that was Schrodinger's reaction to something in quantum physics that didn't make any sense, which was that, uh, you know, a quantum doesn't have a position and a velocity until you look at it, and then that's the nature that it has. So light is not a wave or a particle until you look at it, and then it is a particle uh, or a wave, depending on what you see. And Schrodinger said, well, this doesn't make sense. If you had a cat in a box, uh, you know, and there was a poison bomb in there— then would the cat be both alive and dead until you opened the box and saw whether it was alive and dead, which is absurd. He was making the point that, experientially, this is absurd. There's an old joke about this that I only found out recently, uh, which is that Schrodinger is driving along, and he's stopped by a cop. And the cop says, I'd like to look in your trunk. Uh, And Schrodinger says, well, there's a cat in my trunk. And the cop opens the trunk and says, "Uh, sir, this cat is dead. And Schrodinger says, sure, now. Uh, so, so the point is, it's absurd, and when something is absurd in science, it means we have to find out more. We have to find out more of the uh, surrounding facts, and eventually we will find the context in which it makes sense, because truth makes sense. And when, that's one of the reasons we can debate. And you have to, in order to debate, words have to mean something, and they have to refer to something that we see. That is why uh, Matt was so good when he said you know, what is a woman, their debate fell apart. That's why they silenced them and threw them out of rooms because they were not making sense because they didn't want to debate. Um, So many of us look at our country right now and see something is terribly wrong. Uh, I hope you're among those people. Something is terribly wrong. Politicians, an entire party, the Democratic Party, can stand up and say you should be allowed to kill your child, your unborn child, until the moment of birth. And, And people vote for it you know that's that's there's something terribly terribly wrong with that they this thing about butchering children to give them a flesh costume that looks like the opposite sex uh, is, and, and that you're immoral if, that, if you stand against that. Uh, you can put a rapist in a cell with a woman because he claims that he really feels like a woman. Uh, you can defund the police and say black lives matter even though black lives are being killed. You can write songs with lyrics about raping women and killing cops and you can have a hit and even people on the right will listen to it. Uh, something's wrong. And we think, you know, we have to start to think, where did we get our premise wrong? And my argument about Rand and Marx is that their premise that there is no God is wrong and that you can follow the logic of that to where we are today. This started in the 16th century. It started with the Reformation. Now, I'm not saying the Reformation was bad. I'm not saying Martin Luther was bad. I'm just saying when the Truths that had been believed for 1,500 years, when some of them were just thrown away, people thought, well, if if Mary is not a perpetual version, maybe all of the things that they're saying are untrue. Uh, Shakespeare saw this happening immediately. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, I've, I've said before he had uh, Hamlet uh, come from Wittenberg, which was where Martin Luther uh, had started the Reformation. Uh, and Hamlet says there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. That's moral relativism, right? Nothing is objectively moral or immoral. It is only what we think. And he was basically saying... Now, Hamlet was pretending to be crazy when he said this, but basically Shakespeare was saying, if you get rid of God, moral relativism will be what comes in its place. And Hamlet, as I said, was pretending to be crazy, but 200 years later, as this idea worked itself in... Out of the minds of a genius like Shakespeare and worked itself into the culture as a whole, the Marquis de Sade, who really was crazy, was able to found an entire school of philosophy on moral relativism. This is what uh, Sade said. He said the exact same thing. He said, with, he said uh, let me see if I can find the quote, "...there is no deed in whatever the unusual form you may imagine it which is really criminal." none which may be really called virtuous. All is relative to our manners and the climate we inhabit. What is a crime here is often a virtue several hundred leagues hence. There is no horror that has not been consecrated somewhere. If, in fact, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so, then all cultures are morally equal. Every culture is the same, right? It doesn't matter. Now, over time, as this idea worked itself into the culture, this, the Marquis de Sade's idea worked itself into the culture because it makes sense if your premise is no God. There's no arguing with it. I know some of you think you can do it, but you cannot. Believe me, I've tried for, I tried for 50 years and couldn't do it. You cannot find an argument uh, in which morality remains objective without God. Now it's simply seeped into the culture. There are billboards put up by clothing companies that say, respect all cultures. Uh, you know, the UNESCO at the UN says the same thing respect all cultures. Really, really do de- you know, in 1943, uh, the leader of the SS, the second most powerful person in Nazi Germany, Heinrich Himmler, made speeches to the SS officers. And basically, what he said to him is exterminating the Jewish race is a noble work, but it's very difficult that has to be done. He says, the fact that we have even started to do this, that we've stacked up these bodies, so many bodies, and yet we've remained decent, he said, this is a page of glory that is never going to be mentioned. That's what he said. He said, this is a wonderful thing that we're doing. It's hard, hard seeing all those bodies, but this is a wonderful thing. Now, I assume in the town hall in, in Poznan, Poland, where he made these speeches, I assume everybody there agreed with him. So my question to the, the Respect All Culture people is, at what distance do you get from that town hall where he becomes mistaken? Where does Himmler become wrong? If you, if the South held slaves, how far from the South did you have to get before holding slaves became the wrong thing to do? When a woman is beaten by the Taliban or killed by the Taliban for trying to get an education, is there an airspace? Do you get into international airspace and that becomes wrong, or is it wrong when they do it, even though the majority might think it's right? If your premise is that North is this way, but you wind up in Mexico, your premise is wrong. If you wind up with a dead babies, if you wind up murdering babies and mutilating children and killing women for getting an, uh, an education and enslaving people, your premise is incorrect. But in fact, a lot of the things that the, um, that the Marquis de Sade said are now basically part of our philosophy. You know, you know, I, I always say to you that there's something called what I call the great speculation and that all moral thought is based on the great speculation and the great speculation is unprovable. It's an axiom. It's, it's the basis of all other proofs, but it has two parts. and Both parts are unprovable. One is that your inner life is as important to you as mine is to me. It's as real and as precious to you as my inner life is to me. And two is that both of our inner lives are equal in the mind of God. Without those two, you cannot think morally. You cannot think rightly morally because if I believe that your inner life uh, is important— to you, like mine is to me, but I don't believe it's important to God, I might torture you just because it makes me happy to have your inner life go bad, right? It's only when you realize that God on high, who is all goodness and created things in all goodness, endorses both of our inner lives, both the value of our inner lives, that you start to think, well, gee, then maybe I shouldn't do to you what I would abhor. Or even beyond that, maybe I should love you in some sense the same way that I love myself the way God loves us both. But Desad, who was a brilliant philosopher, an absolute psychopath, but a brilliant philosopher, said, no, without God, it's different. He said, there is no possible comparison between what others experience and what we sense. The heaviest dose of agony in others ought assuredly to be as nothing to us. But the faintest quickening of pleasure registered, registered in us does touch us. And this is where you get... Named after de Sade, you get sadism. It's named after the Marquis de Sade because he wanted to torture people. And he said, why shouldn't I? Why should I not torture people to death if their experience is agony, which means nothing to me, but my experience is pleasure, which is all things. Another thing he liked, by the way, was abortion. He said, dread not infanticide. The crime is imaginary. We are always mistress of what we carry in our womb. Ayn Rand, another big abortion fan who hated Ronald Reagan for opposing it. Now, the thing about this is, is this kind of thought has now become common even in our greatest thinkers, even our best thinkers. I recently read a book called Evil in Modern Thought uh, by a philosopher named Susan Neiman. It's a really good book, very smart, intelligent book, kind of a survey of uh, philosophical history, modern philosophical history. But it begins by saying this, Among the many things this book will not offer is a definition of evil or criteria for distinguishing evil actions from those that are simply very bad. To lament the loss of absolute standards for judging right and wrong ought to be superfluous a century after Nietzsche. So now there are no absolute standards, even in a woman as bright as this who could write a book as good as this. Why did she say Nietzsche? Why does she say after Nietzsche we can't have absolute standards? Because Nietzsche was the other brilliant philosopher about 100 years after Descartes who understood the ramifications of being, of there being no God. He said that the moral system that Christianity that created Europe has collapsed. He said that we're, that we're now living in God's shadow, which is the moral system is still there, but the God is gone because we no longer believe in that God. What happened, you know, Nietzsche was a a decent human being. He was an actual decent human being. Uh, And what happened to him is kind of a parable. Um, He didn't like Christianity. He said it was a slave morality. It elevated victims. It was basically a trick that uh, the weak had played on the strong by making them feel guilty. But what happened in his life was kind of a, a parable. He was a decent human being, a great philosopher. He died. He went mad of syphilis, people think, probably of syphilis. He went insane And he was taken over. He was completely incapacitated. He was just, you know, screaming and mumbling and, you know, spreading feces on the wall, all this stuff. And he was taken over by his sister, Elizabeth, who was a genuine, evil, anti-Semitic Nazi. She was a terrible, terrible human being. And she took over all of his uh, work, and she took control of all of his work, and she parsed it out and basically aligned him with the rising party in Germany in her later life, which was the Nazi party. She loved Hitler. She died adoring Hitler. And the Nazis, not Hitler so much because he wasn't that bright, but a lot of the Nazis did quote Nietzsche as their guy because what Nietzsche said is instead of following the weak, as uh, Christ wanted us to do, we should follow the Superman, the great man, who will lead us into a new morality. Now, by that, he didn't necessarily mean the conqueror like Napoleon. What he meant was the man who had transcended uh, ordinary manhood. Uh, And so a lot of people who love uh, Nietzsche say, well, this isn't fair. It's not fair to associate him with Nazis. He was not an anti-Semite. He thought his sister called her an anti-Semitic goose. He disdained her. Uh, He was a decent human being, as I said. We shouldn't blame him for what was done with his philosophy. I take a very different tack on that. Whatever he meant, whatever he intended, I think his philosophy found its right audience in the Nazis. He would have hated that. He might have changed his mind. He might have seen that he had gone wrong. But he did not understand that, yes, he said man had murdered God. Yes, man man has murdered God. But God has a funny habit of coming back after you murder him. That's what the gospel story is all about. So when you talk yourself into, when you find that your theories and your beliefs have talked, have brought you to a place where there is no moral reality, where you can do something because it's good capitalism, where your company can abandon the people uh, you hired simply because you want to make an extra buck, where you can sell your car even though you know it's going to blow up and kill people because it would be worse for your shareholders uh, to recall the a car instead of fixing it, which would be too expensive. When you get to that point, you know you've made a mistake. You know it because you have a conscience. You were g- gifted with a conscience by God. When you start following someone like Ayn Rand who says, yeah, you can blow up an orphanage because they didn't let you build it the way you wanted to, check your premises. Check your premises because you have gone wrong. That's where our country has gotten to. The things that they're doing, the butchering of children, the killing of babies, uh, the the defunding the police, even though it means black people will die, all of those things make sense. It's just the premises they got wrong. And if you're following their premises, you're going to end up, by hook or by crook, whether you go left or you go right, you're going to end up in the same place. And that place is evil. Jordan Peterson is a lean, mean content machine, and he has a new five-part series out on Daily Wire Plus called Vision and Destiny that is designed to help you find clarity and direction. It's fair to say that with people believing they can change their gender as easily as they do their underwear, clarity is something many are severely lacking. Vision and Destiny just might be the eye-opener the world needs. Here's a clip from Vision and Destiny.
2: Men and women tend to have their own sex-typed temperaments. So women are, on average, higher in negative emotion and higher in agreeableness. And then there are minor distinctions with the rest of the traits, which I won't go into now because they're much smaller. But on average, women are more agreeable. They're more self-sacrificing in relationship to others, which goes along with their propensity to care for infants, because you have to do that when you care for infants, and they're more threat and negative emotion sensitive And that might be because, well, you could argue that the world is actually objectively more dangerous for women because they're vulnerable on the sexual front and because they're smaller physically, but also that the world needs to be reacted to, to some degree, as if it's a more threatening place because women are charged with the primary care of infants and infants are very vulnerable.
0: Well, as always with Jordan, that looks great. I cannot believe he turns out as much content as he does at such a high level. The first two episodes are out right now and new episodes are coming online every week, but it's all exclusive for Daily Wire Plus members. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Vision and Destiny. So speaking of truth, one of the things we've been covering a lot on the show is the cancellation of writers and a lot of this and not just writers, artists in general, uh, because a lot of this never gets into the mainstream press. It never gets to any place where you might see it. And it's important because people are being purged and they don't have any place to go. If we don't help them, if we don't publicize them, uh, and if you guys don't get behind them. Mike Barron is a longtime comic book author. He has won the Eisner Award twice. Uh, He's written on everything you've heard of, Flash and Star Wars and I think Batman Punisher. Uh, Great stuff. Uh, And He's really good, by the way, too. And he's got a story going on right now that I really want you to hear about. Mike, it is great to see you. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's just talk right now. I want to get to more about what's happening in the comic book industry in general. Or I should call it the graphic novel industry, whatever it is. Uh, but but tell me exactly what's happening to you right now.
1: We launched a book. We crowdfund our books like uh, many other people in the comic industry. Uh, and my latest book is called Private American. And it came about because I asked myself what Punisher would be doing if I were writing him today. <laughs> Uh, And it seemed obvious to me that he'd be on the southern border uh, trying to deal with human traffickers, the flow of fentanyl and terrorists entering the country. Uh, Ten or 20 years ago, this idea would not be controversial. Uh, But in this day and age, uh, it trips all sorts of leftist triggers. And out of nowhere, the Daily Kos, which is a far left hate site, uh, did an article on me uh, written by a woman who's never read anything I've written. And it was headlined, Mike Barron releases another racist AF comic book. And then she called her Myrmidons and Minions to all contact uh, <laughs> Kickstarter and tell them to get my book off their platform, to de- demonetize mm-hmm. me, even while she has her own book being funded on Kickstarter. And she succeeded. Kickstarter kicked us off.
0: Wow, they did. They actually shut you down. And there, That's right. And is there an appeal process for that when that happens?
1: Well, it's one of those things where you're dealing with an artificial intelligence. My friend Chris, who runs my campaigns, uh, has appealed to them numerous times to say, What's the appeal process? Can I speak to a rational human being? Uh, But there is no rational human being available. On the other hand, Crowdfunder, which also defunded us, he was able to speak to their head, and he seems like a reasonable man. Uh, And there's a chance we'll be reinstated on Crowdfunder. Right now, we're still in demand on Indiegogo. Uh, but like many of my friends' campaigns, were shadow banned, mm. which means that if you go to Indiegogo and look for Private American by Mike Barron, you won't find it. Wow. The only way you can find it is by using our direct link, which is theprivateamerican.com.
0: Wow. That's a, So is there any, uh, aside from those three sites, I've never done this, is there any other place for you to go uh, where you can raise money?
1: We are looking for uh, other sites, and we're considering doing our own. As a number of people in similar situations are doing, all my friends are shadow banned as well. Uh, And these are some of the major artists in the comic industry, people like Billy Tucci and Graham Nolan. Uh, And the reason is that uh, they're all part of a group called Comicscape, which is perceived as a hate group. Uh, But it's really just a, a collection of comic professionals who are fed up with the regular industry and are trying to do their stuff on their own. It's a loose association. And uh, anybody can call themselves Comicscape, but the core group, there's 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 no racists in there. Yeah, I know them all. There are a lot of people of color in there from all over the world. Uh, it's just one of those absurd charges that leftists come up with that have no basis.
0: It's the only they flip it out no matter what you, how you disagree with them, you're a racist. Uh, so we're talking to Mike Barron, a very talented comic book author, who's worked on uh, Flash and uh, Star Wars, and is trying to bring out this this new uh, private American so is there some reason that you guys can't get together and make your own crowdfunding site? Is, this is not something I know anything about. Is it, is it very difficult to create a site that does that?
1: We're trying to find that out right now. We're okay. looking into that. And some of my friends have already done that. Uh, the problem, of course, is, is that nobody can match the reach of Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Right, right, right.
0: And, and, and what about in terms of the daily costs? I mean, they, they are genuine. You're absolutely right. They are a left wing hate site. Uh, what can you do about them?
1: We are looking into legal action. <laughs> we have employed an attorney.
0: Good. OK, can anybody can you get support for that effort?
1: Uh, yes, I can. They haven't defunded us yet. It's called Mike Barron versus the scum of the earth, and it's on GoFundMe, GoFundMe dot com. You know, I didn't come up with that title. Uh, a friend of mine did, and then Eric July picked it up too. Uh, so, but I like it.
0: <laughs> I like it too. So. You know, I was a comic book fan when I was a kid. They were all American. It was just uh, you know, Superman basically was the spirit of America. That's who he was. Um, what happened? How did this how did this transformation take place? How did they take over an entire industry so that there's nowhere for a guy like you to go?
1: Well, you know how. Uh, fifty years ago, the left decided to infiltrate entertainment, politics, the media, uh, and uh, and education. Uh, on the Long March. It's called the Long March to take over all these institutions and th- turn them into to leftist hell holes. And, and they've succeeded. I mean, you can see what's going on in public education today. Uh, and uh, what's happened to the comic companies is just bewildering to me. We used to work with editors who had been writers first, but now they seem to employ people that have no experience telling stories. Indeed, don't know how to tell stories. Uh, people who have an agenda, and they're hiring other people who have an agenda to write and illustrate the comics. The art of the entertainment has been lost. People buy comics to be entertained. And that's the same reason they go to movies. And when movies and comics are no longer entertaining, the people won't uh, buy them. They won't, they, they won't go there. And the traditional comic industry is in a tailspin right now for many reasons. But that's one of them.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, they, they always have that slogan, go woke, go broke you know, I'm always a little worried about that because a lot of these places can find money somewhere, even if they're not getting it from the uh, their actual product. Will they go broke? I mean, will that will the industry be saved by being destroyed, essentially?
1: There's talk that both Marvel and d c have are on the verge of stopping publishing paper books altogether and may farm their characters out to uh, to smaller publishers, and they've already toyed with this to a certain degree. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's not just the fact that the content is not appealing. There's the death of print media. There's the rise of video games. We have a whole generation of kids here that, that never started reading mm. because they they started doing video games. And, and the fact is that uh, your average $5 Marvel or DC comic can't begin to compare to a good video game in terms of bang for your buck.
0: Mm, yeah, but... But still, I mean, it, it does seem to me that this audience is sitting there. Where are the people who say, "I want to get to that audience"? Are they so afraid? Is that I mean, do you ever talk to pe- do you ever talk to people and say, like, you know, why not start a, a place for us to go? Why not create a place for us to go? Uh, or is that something you can't do?
1: Well, it, it is something I'm interested in, but we've had a lot of success doing crowdfunding. My last book, Thin Blue Line was about two police officers trying to survive the night in a riot-torn city. Hmm. Uh, And that did very well. And uh, police started to contact me from all over the country. Thank you, B, for showing them in a positive light. We all know they're bad cops. It's not about bad cops. The Daily Cause characterized it as white police officers going into black neighborhoods to kill as many black people as possible. Uh, And the two protagonists don't kill anyone. Hmm. Uh, Chris got in touch with Koss himself and said, have you read the book? And Koss said, well, uh, no. And Koss said, would you like to read the book? And Koss said, uh, if I have to. So, uh, Chris (laughs) made it available as a PDF online. And that was a month ago. And as of today, Koss hasn't looked at it.
0: That's amazing stuff. I've only got a minute left. Tell me, tell me this. How, How do people follow you? How do they find out what you're doing and where to go? So I don't have to, you know, they don't have to come here.
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at BloodyRedBaron. I'm on Facebook on the comics and novels of Mike Barron, plus Michael A. Barron. Uh, I'm on Substack as Mike Barron. I have a website, BloodyRedBaron.com. Uh, and if you want to support the book, go to ThePrivateAmerican.com.
0: Nah, that's I, I'm, you know this, these stories just uh, tear me up and I hear so many of them I can't bring everybody on but what you, what is happening to you is happening to so many people uh, and it's it's just it, it's not even the unfairness of it it's the fact that people do, are not getting access to good stuff with good values that that actually matters and uh, it's telling the truth Mike it's uh, great to finally meet you face to face we've talked before, but it's uh, really nice to meet you face to face and uh, good luck I let me know what happens. Thank you, sir. All right. For those of you who are non-subscribers, the Clavenless Week is just around the corner. And, you know, it's kind of sad because you kind of deserve it. You know, (laughs) we can't, we can't do the things we do. If you don't subscribe, we have to depend on uh, sponsors who don't like, you know, sponsoring a lot of times controversial stuff. So if we want to speak the truth to you, we need you to support us. Uh, So when you are plunged into the darkness where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, you got to think to yourself, "Ah, you know, I should have subscribed. All right, but before we send you over into the pit, uh, we will solve all your problems with the mailbag.
1: Woo! So I lost my train of thought. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, I probably wasn't the only person to make that joke. Huh? All right, from Patrick. Uh, long-time listener, first-time writer of the mailbag. Recently, I was told by some friends and family that they were concerned about my drinking. Uh, they said I was aggressive when I got drunk i came to a height when i damaged property of some longtime friends while in a blackout well yeah then you were drinking too much Uh, i got help Uh, i'm now 50 days sober good for you i've been working with a therapist who says i don't have a problem as i've been able to stop and recognize the severity of my actions you have a problem if you got blackout drunk and ruined stuff stay off the sauce uh i don't care what your therapist says stay off the sauce if you're breaking stuff up when you get drunk um I have come to realize that my drinking may have resulted from my the end to my time in the military. I believe I didn't want it to end. I saw service as a way to be a man. I was never the toughest kid, and I saw it as a way to achieve what I saw as the pinnacle of masculinity, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, service to this great nation, ability to hone aggressiveness in a morally admirable way. Uh, I d- never felt like I did anything in the mi- military, and I felt as though I didn't fulfill the mandate to become a man. Uh, I, Let's see my question is, how can I deal with these feelings of having not fulfilled my telos, my purpose? I recognize God may have another path for me as a man, or have I made a mistake in conflating military service with my own coming of age into the man that God has planned for me to be? Okay well you're hit you, you know a lot of times when I get these letters, I think people know the answer they just want to hear it uh, you know affirmed, and I think what you're saying is exactly right um, it's <laughs> You did the right thing. You joined. You thought your path was in the military. You joined the military. If God thought you needed to go to war in order to become what He wants you to be, you would have gone to war. He would have sent you to war. It, I mean it absolutely sincerely. Don't tell God what you need. You know He knows what you need. Tell Him to give you what you need. And there are many, many ways to have courage. And I think I think it was Solzhenitsyn who said the courage of the battlefield is not the same as the courage of standing up. Uh, you know, against the society that you're in when your society goes wrong. There are many, many ways uh, that your courage and integrity, which are the key parts of manhood, courage and integrity are the key parts of manhood, uh, can be tested, can be shaped, can be fashioned. God will find a way. Believe me, you're not going to get from cradle to grave without finding those things uh, tested. If God had wanted you in battle, he would have sent you into battle, but he has other plans for you, He is going to, if you let him, if you pray to him and you release yourself into his care and into his making, he will make you the man he needs you to be, which is what you're looking for. Relax, let it go. If if you do that, if you allow God to do that, you are already on your way to being a man, seriously. Uh, you, You know, you didn't make a mistake, you followed what you thought, you were supposed to, you thought what you were supposed to do. I sometimes look at my life and think the first part of my life is where I did what I thought I should do. The second part of my life is where I transitioned into uh, someone who believed in God. And the rest of my life was just like, God, Jesus, take the wheel because I'm not making any decisions anymore. Get to that point, get to the point where you let it go, let God do it for you, and it'll get done. Trust me. Uh, And stop drinking. Uh, From Melissa, uh, Oh Great Clavin the Elder, I wanted to thank you and let you know that you're what your book, The Truth and Beauty, has done for me. I'm 22 and have been a Christian for most of my life. I have an expansive knowledge of Scripture and of Christian theology, but like you, the Gospels always baffled me. Reading The Truth and Beauty finally opened my eyes. This is a fan letter. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, Your insight lit up the Gospels for me. I'll read enough to give myself a a boost. Uh, He says, I may never speak to you in this lifetime, but I cannot thank you fully but I can thank you fully in the next one. May God bless you and keep you. Thanks very much for that. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, it has been one of the most gratifying um, things in my career to have a book that I wrote essentially for myself and thought that I was going to have to self-publish uh, to have it first become uh, a USA Today bestseller, but also to get a lot of letters like this. I saw somebody sent me a, a guy in um, down south somewhere preaching Uh, on the book from the pulpit. My own priest has preached on it. Uh, I've heard other people say it's been preached on it. It's it's really, really gratifying. And to know that it has done something for people, uh, that's why I'm here. It's great. Uh, So thanks. Um, From Anonymous, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, used to be a fairly solid, if somewhat beta-dude he got, he got divorced five years ago, and being the kind of soft beta guy, you have to read this, like he's a soft beta guy he is. He was lost in kind of a pathetic mess. Apparently, he got into some strange fetishy groups where he found acceptance and a rather strange girlfriend. Uh, in the past month, he has come up to visit and started spouting off on rather left-wing ideas. Uh, I have very little love for this guy or <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> or his teenage son. They're of the same mindset and better simp personality. Uh, Pelosi has on multiple occasions demeaned his mother over her religious beliefs and her vaccine hesitancy, which has brought us close to confrontation. He spouted off to uh, the writer's uh, uh, 10-year-old son. Do I cut him out of our lives or just keep my kids away from him and his son when we are around each other? What would you suggest? Uh, you know, I, I think, first of all, you, you know... Uh, The judgment here on this poor guy—I mean, you know—give him a break. You know, it's not for you to judge him. I know. I know the Jesus said in the Gospel, "Judge everybody." I've been told this so many times that I actually believe the verse is there somewhere, and I just keep missing it. Um, You know, you disagree with him. You disagree with him. That's allowed. You're allowed to disagree with him. He's allowed to disagree with you. He's a left winger. You know, that—that's going to be part of the country. If you feel that he is aggressively trying to uh, court or convince your son, your children, you can keep your children away from him. I would understand that. You might have a pleasant conversation with him where you say, buddy, I know you, you and I have very different beliefs. You know, you are welcome to your beliefs. That's fine. I would appreciate it if you would kind of go easy on my children. I don't really want them hearing that. Uh, and, you know, that, that would be fine. But otherwise, leave him alone. He's, you know, you're, I'm sure your uh, mother-in-law loves him. Your wife probably loves him. Uh, you know, it's not your job to make everybody march and step with your opinions. And even in your family, uh, it's not your job to make him march and step in your opinions. Have some compassion. Uh, and stop calling him a better simp. <laughs> He's got his own problems. We All all God's children have problems. I'll leave him alone. All right. <laughs> From Amelia. Um, I, recently found, oof, I recently found out that my brother sometime during high school engaged in bestiality on our farm. He apparently confessed it to our parents at the time and was remorseful, repentant about it. He has no idea that I know. I recognize that his sin is not against anyone but himself and God and the animal. Uh, But it was extremely shocking to me, and I don't think I can ever view him in the same way again. I love my brother, and I don't want to feel repulsed by him, but I absolutely do. We were raised in a Christian home with the best parents anyone could ask for, so I don't understand why he did what he did. Uh, We've always been very close, and I just feel immensely upset. I don't know what to do with these feelings. I wonder if I'm justified in them. Looking forward to your sage advice and perspective uh, blessings. Uh, First of all, if you don't know why he did what he did, he did what he did because he was a teenage boy with a penis. And uh, when you are a teenage boy... They' been it is like having a rocket tied to your body. It is taking you places where you don't want to go. You are disgusted because what he did was disgusting. That is why you are disgusted. okay? so it's it's all kind of working out the way these things go. Teenage boys. Uh, you know, believe me, there are things that I wake up sweating that I did as a teenage boy that I wish I could take back because of that. Women know, don't know anything about this. I swear, they do not know anything about it. They think they do. They think, oh, all men want is a certain thing. But even if they don't want it, they're just like tied to this rocket that takes them where they want to go. So he did something really disgusting, really ugly, and I think sinful because the animal has no choice. And that's, uh, uh, t- you know, animals are part of creation and deserve our love and our uh, kindness insofar as we can give it to them. Uh, and so he did something bad. Uh, he was obviously repentant. Uh, if, he, if, if now he's not like a weird, strange uh, person who's doing these kind of things, you're going to have to forgive him, and you're going to have to do it without confronting him because he didn't tell you you're not supposed to know about it. Uh, you're just going to have a, find a place of forgiveness in his heart. All I can tell you is being a teenage boy is not easy. Uh, he made a terrible, terrible mistake. He did a bad thing. He is repentant about it. Uh, he, I, I hope he continues to live in that repentance. You are, it's absolutely natural for you to be disgusted by it. You're going to have to reach down inside yourself and reach up to heaven and find some forgiveness for him because he is probably not the... Person he was when he did that thing. It's it's very tough being a teenage boy, and I'm not letting him off the hook in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying he did it. He repented. You know, it's not it's not for you to forgive him. God will forgive him, and 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 it is for you to forgive him because God will forgive him. Uh, that's the best I can do for. Him. I know it's, it is repulsive. Um, but there it is. And as I say, I'm, I'm not holding myself above anybody. Uh, there are parts of my life, like all of us, I think, that I would have back. Uh, it's just a really, it's a really tough thing. It really does take, pe- take your mind over in a way that's hard to describe to women uh, because I don't think they go through the same thing. Got to stop there, but uh, subscribe, become a member. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and get 40% off with code DW40.